Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. The letter of James, written most probably by Jesus' brother James, there's a little bit of dispute about that, but, but most uh, scholars would now say yes, this is certainly the work of Jesus' brother. Not a believer, essentially, during Jesus' earthly ministry, but what we know is, comes to faith and over time becomes a significant, and if you like, the first bishop of Jerusalem, although they weren't using the word bishop in that sense, in that time. But we know in the Council of Jerusalem it's James and, and others who are very critical in that whole process. And James in his letter here today, as it were so well read for us, wants us to have a hard think about word, words, the word. Because it's, it's a sense of captures us. Now some words of course do capture us, don't they? You know, who does not remember Churchill's great statements, we will fight them on the beaches, we will never give in. Or Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream. That's my dream. I have a dream, he says. There are words which capture us and hold us. And some of us will have those personally, of moments in our own life journey when, when some words have been just so profoundly important. Either words we've uttered of commitments or statements or promises or words that have been said to us. It's so important, isn't it, that words... I mean, we live in a world that is full of words. I mean, how many words have you heard today, read, listened to, had pronounced over you? It's just immense, the volume of, of, of words that you and I have to cope with. And there is a sense that in that process, then, James says, here, in this, these few words, let me give you some clues, he's saying, some important steps in this process. Four things, really. He wants to say to us, how do we listen? first thing. Then secondly, if we're going to listen well, then how are we going to, to take that in? How are we going to receive that? Thirdly, how do we obey it? And fourth, how do we live it out? So they're the four things we want to look at together briefly this morning. These four sections, the hearing, the receiving, the obeying, and the living it out. Hearing the word. Everyone should be quick to listen, James says in verses 19 and 20. Slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. My grandfather, who I've talked about a bit, uh, Pop had a sheet metal business. And at times on holidays when I was studying, I would work there and there were big guillotines that, that cut the steel and big bending machines. The noise in that factory unit was quite profound. And over the years, Pop developed what we, I guess, untechnically called industrial deafness. So Pop had a hearing aid. And as he retired and as the family got bigger with a greater number of grandchildren, I discovered Pop had a very clever technique. After a while, he'd just be sick of us all. Well, no, that was never true, but the, the noise was just getting at him, so he turned his hearing aid off. Now, I noticed at other times he turned his hearing aid off too when my grandmother was sometimes chatting to him. I think that's called domestic deafness, isn't it? Pop had this ability of selective hearing. He heard in some ways what he wanted to hear and other stuff he didn't want to hear. And I have a steep suspicion that it's a hereditary trait of all humans, <laughs> selective hearing. We, we kind of hear what we want to hear. 
uh, and we don't want to hear the things we don't want to hear. So we, in effect, presume we didn't hear it. Now, let me test, well, we have no tests, but if you think about it today, what are all the things you've already heard today and how, many of you, how much of that have you retained? What was the temperature today? Who won the football last night? What's the latest crisis in our world? And I'm not diminishing the significance of any of that, but there's all these words. And so James here, bud, is specifically wanting to talk about specific words, words that are critically important. Everyone should be quick to listen. He'd already reflected in previous verses in the first part of this chapter about this word, of the word, God's word. And he's saying to us that we need to be attentive to that. We need to be quick to listen. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that a strange turn of phrase? Quick to listen. As opposed to quick to speak or quick to respond or quick. Quick to listen. I wonder, is that a thing that we practice? Now, we might say, well, I'm quick to listen because I, I read the Bible regularly and I, and I listen. But, you know, it's really a whole-of-life thing, isn't it? This quick to listen. Am I a listener or am I a talker? <laughs> Some of us have a great gift of talking, and we can do it underwater even, incessantly. There's no filter between what's in my head and on my lips, and you just get it all. <laughs> in fact, it reminds me of a colleague I studied with. We'd come out of an exam room, and he'd say, how many, how many pages did you write? I said, oh, 15. He said, I wrote 43. I said, really? He said, yeah, I wrote down everything I know and the examiner can work out what's true and what isn't. <laughs> Interesting technique. I think they passed him because he was wanting to get him out of the institution. <laughs> but yet there is a bit of that, isn't there? So James here is saying, hey, let, let's, let's twist it over. Let's go. No, it's not quick to talk, but it's quick to listen. So listening skills, critical skills, aren't they, in the ordinary circumstances of life, in fact. Listening to what people are saying, paying attention to them, giving them in the sense, of affirming them in the sense I'm going to really listen to what you're saying, rather than thinking about what I'm going to say next, which is just a, 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 such a typical habit that we get into. So there's a sense in which what James is encouraging us to is, yes, it is specific in terms of wanting to hear God's word, but there's a, a strong word here for us about the sort of people we are. Slow to speak and slow to get angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. When we get angry, we aren't doing much listening. In fact, as anger multiplies, we stop listening altogether. And that's why, in some ways, the anger gets more intense. Because there's now no, we're not being filtered by anything. We are just really, really angry. And you're going to know I'm really angry. And the emotion gets stronger. And the hearing becomes less receptive to anything else. And that, that's what James is wanting to remind us about here, that, that you can't behave that way. You, you've got to train yourself to your listener. Cultivate a reticent tongue less ready to jump in, more willing to actually hear the end of the other person's sentence before we want to finish it for them, and developing a calm temper. Because we can't hear God when anger is running us. Hearing the word. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry because anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. 
hearing the word, then receiving the word. Verse 21, as you're following along. Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. I wonder what is the image that comes as you just even read that brief sentence. Therefore get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. Humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. I guess the interesting word is planted, isn't it? That is an interesting way of talking about Receiving the word, planted in you. Here I hear echoes of Jesus' parable of the sower. You know, the, the soil, some soil, it's got to be prepared. It's got to be weeded. There's that sense of that, that process of, of preparation for receiving the word. The, the willingness for us to say, I need to get some of these things out of my life. Uh, I say to a lot of people, I've got a very small hard drive. I need to empty it regularly uh, in my head. I mean, not just on the computer. Uh, you know, to retain all that information. So I have to get rid of some things. And, and James here is wanting to suggest to us that if we're going to actually receive this word, we, there needs to be space for the word. Uh, and I need, therefore, to, to, to start to think, what are the things that actually aren't good for me? What are the weeds, if you like, in my garden that I need to get rid of because they're choking out, taking up the space for that which would be good for me. <laughs> Les was a, a fellow, a young man, well, he, we were both young when I met him, when I was pastoring the first church when I was in college out in the western suburbs of Sydney. Uh, Les's wife had started to come to the playgroup that Marilyn was, had organised and was running, and through that process, this lovely lady came to a deeper sense of who God was for her. And in process, Les, her husband, came to faith in Jesus. It was a lovely thing to be a part of that, you know, to see the transformation that happens. Les quickly realised, but, that he had a lot of stuff in his life that were weeds, not good. And one day, there was the ceremonial burning of all the pornography in the backyard. And it was quite an immense amount uh, that he said, no, I've got to get this out of my life. And I need to get rid of it. And, and I need to push it out. And it's lovely for me, it's sustained a memory for me of this good man and his wisdom, simple wisdom about, no, no, I need to get rid of all moral filth and evil that's so prevalent. Man, you and I live in such a world, don't we, where it is just everywhere. It's impossible to avoid, so we need to be very vigilant about how much junk we actually take in into our minds, into our thought processes, and actively work against it to say, no, I'm going to pull out that weed. I'm going to do that. And then, secondly, not only do I have to prepare the soil, but I need to recognise I don't really know everything about everything. So humbly, James says, and humbly accept the word. Here's a sense of us getting the sort of the priorities right, getting the realities right. I am the one who's been created, and God is the creator. And I do well not to muck that up. I do well not to get that out of step. The humility of reality is me accepting the fact, you accept it, that we are humans. <laughs> We don't know it all, we'll never know it all, even though there are some people who want to give the impression they do and they will, but they can't. And they don't. And we can't. 
And so there's got to be a place somewhere where we finally agree, yes, God, I need your wisdom. So I'm now going to humbly accept it. I'm open to what you want to say to me because I recognise who I am. I'm your creator. I'm your son, your daughter. It's who I am and therefore I'm open to you. And then the third thing is then we receive the implanted word. <laughs> this is a, I love this notion. See, here's the, another way of talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit to you and to me. This word implanted in us. As I come to understand who Jesus is and say, yes, Lord, you are my Lord, then I receive this gift, this gift of the Holy Spirit implanted in me. It was interesting, just a while ago, someone was talking about an episode that we're aware of happening in another country, in another cultural context, where this talk about heart transplants. And this person who was potentially going to receive a heart transplant was really worried because they were going to get a heart from someone else and if they lost their own heart, then they'd lose Jesus because Jesus was in their heart. And they're really quite concerned about that. It's like the, what we say to get, where is Jesus now? He's in my heart. You know, and I've had a heart transplant and someone else got him. You know, I mean, we know that's not true, but it's that kind of sense, isn't it? Of, yeah, I've received. I've received the gift of God implanted in me. Wow. Wow. Can you get a better gift, folks? Can you receive something more, more dynamic or more powerful? That as I walk and talk and live, the Spirit of God indwells me. Well, it is enough, isn't it? And finally then, you see, here's the, exp the, the result. The result is I'm transformed. There's growth. <laughs> I, I do a bit of uh, gardening with the kids, with the grandkids. I'm not the greatest gardener, but I do like it. And I've learnt this principle, prepare the soil, <laughs> recognise I don't know all about it, probably go and check some things on the web or somewhere else, talk to someone who knows better, plant the seed, and then the joy, and their joy, when out of that barren earth, a little green shoot pops up. It's like, wow, we did that? <laughs> well, we're a part of the process, but it's exciting, isn't it? And see, here's, here's the lovely thing. The green shoots of God's life in you and me. Oh, we need to protect, don't we? We need to make sure there's space for that. You have it, so use it. That's the reality. The Spirit of God indwells us. Let's not deny that. Let's not treat that as secondary. Let's give that the prominence deserves. Jesus said, well, John's gospel in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word came and dwelt amongst us. Jesus. In you and me. Thirdly, obeying the word. Verses 22 to 25. And Sonny did this so well for us. But don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed as they do it. And a teaching colleague in the days when I was teaching came into the staff room at the end of the first three periods of that day. He said, what's wrong with you? All the kids have been sort of giggling about me and laughing. And we said, go and have a look in the mirror. Had a nice 
red beard, and there, just underneath his mouth, with this very large, unchewed cornflake. It looked really cute for him. He didn't do anything about it. No, he did. He looked in the mirror and he cleaned his face. It would have been crazy if he didn't, wouldn't it? And that's what James is saying about here, isn't he? He says, you, you see the mirror. Here's God's word. You're looking in the God's word and it gives you a reflection about yourself and you see some things that you probably ought to be doing. I close up God's word. I walk away from the mirror and I do nothing about it. How stupid is that? It would have been like my colleague saying, well, I don't really care. I've got cornflake on my beard, so what? Doesn't matter, really, does it? And we'd just continue on the day? We would have doubted his sanity, wouldn't we? So there's a sense here for us then, the same. Uh, I come to the Word of God. I read the Word of God. I hear the Word of God. But in my selective hearing, I don't do anything about it. Here's the challenge then, even today for you and for me, as we've heard the words, we've sung words, we've watched words have been spoken over us, as we've heard the Holy Spirit nudging us about some things, what are you and I going to do about it? The most normal reaction is we do nothing about it because we've so got used to hearing. We've so got used to sitting, to singing, to be involved like we are today that it's become such second nature to us that we often produce a level of deafness that means we don't do anything about it and I say that about myself out of my own experience how many times Lord have you said to me and I've said okay and done nothing <laughs> it's a sad sad thing isn't it <coughs> Some ancient said, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> it's come into contemporary literature with songs and other things, and in fact now there's references to the Good Intentions Paving Company. Ah <laughs> uh, dear, I've signed up to that company. We're probably all shareholders at some stage, aren't we? I'm going to do something about that. But we don't. I wonder this morning, what is it? Lord, what is it you're saying to me, Keith? Are you going to do something about this now? Or are you just going to let that ride again? What's my good intention out of today? I wonder if I had to write something down. If you had to write something down, what would you write down about, oh, Lord, this is what I know I need to do? Will we do it? That's the challenge for us. That's the privilege for us. But here's this loving father who says, this is the best way for you, but it's up to you. I'm not going to rob you of your uniqueness. I'm not going to force you into this. I'm not going to control you to do it. I'm going to give you the, 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 the gift of the freedom to choose to do it. Oh, let's use that well today. And then what does that look like? Well, how do we live this out? These last two verses, 26 to 27. Those are considered religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues to see themselves. Their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. See, for me, this is about the family DNA. Uh, I love James's use of the word the Father. Uh, our Father accepts. 
Here's this sense of, yes, I understand the creator God who here best described for me as my parent, my father. And what is my father? What is the DNA then of this family? And here he says, here's the DNA of this family. It's living it out in my speaking. I'm going to be careful in how I speak. I'm going to be measured in how I speak. I'm going to keep a tight rein on my tongue. That's what the DNA is. And it's also about caring for others. The Father accepts pure and faultless this to look after orphans and widows. People who are under-resourced. People who cannot do it for themselves. People who are marginalised. That's who that means in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. This, this particular definition is about those people who in some ways are unprotected. Who are not cared for in the, the family circles that normally existed in that period. These people are outside that. So they need special care and help. Yes, care and concern is about that. Isn't it good to be a part of a church that says we recognise this and we do things practically and pointedly and financially to assist people? See, that's what this is about. That, that's where the impetus for that sort of care comes from, this sense of here is the DNA the Father's implanted in us. And then thirdly and finally, in my lifestyle. How do I live it out in my lifestyle? How do I do that in a way that helps other people get pointed towards this loving Father? They might too be able to say, my God, my Father. It's because we come to this word, we, uh, we receive it, we obey it, we live it out. One of my saddest images from our days when we worked in the highlands of Papua, the province in Indonesia, was these really big, strong men from that particular tribe, the Danis. They were really big men, big across the chest, tall, broad, so well-built. And you'd meet them on the trails, and part of that was because they walked on these trails, which were quite steep, and uh, they'd come up, and they're wearing over their shoulder a string bag, a knockin, uh, which in that bag they would only generally have one thing, and that was their Bible. And it was a statement of the fact that they were believers. Now, some of them were illiterate, but they carried the Bible there for sort of a, a token, a kind of a, a symbol of, uh, this is who I am, because some thought there was magic in it too, to be fair to say. But, and then somewhere but behind them, about another three or five or 10 or 15 minutes later, coming up this same steep trail would be their wife. And that wife would be carrying a string bag, which is around her head and over her back. And in that would be some ubi, some sweet potato, and then on top of the sweet potato, some leaves, then on top of the leaves, a baby, and then probably on her head, some firewood for the fire that night. And it struck me, as a member of the kind of the missionary team that had gone there, we'd not help those men, had we? We'd give them a word, the Bible, we'd encourage them to read it, I'm not sure how much we help them understand how it should change their cultural practices. I wonder, how much does my reading of the word change my cultural practices? That's the challenge for us, isn't it? We live in a world which has a particular patterns of behaviour. How much am I a part of that pattern of behaviour and not a part of the pattern of behaviour that reflects the DNA of my Father, my Heavenly Father? So, four things then. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, says Paul to the Colossians, in our hearing, 
in our receiving, in our doing, and in our living. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the gift, the gift of your word to us. The word that we have captured in the scriptures, but the word we have captured in our lives. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And Father, again today we would ask that you would give us ears. We thank you the ears you've given us. Help us now to be attentive to what you're saying to us. Sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And then, Lord, give us the courage to do that which you're calling us to do now. That we might be your daughters, your sons, in a way which is honouring to you and of benefit to those around us. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.